What's up, church? How are you guys doing this morning? All right, good, good, good. Uh, a few years ago, Kate and I, we went to go visit her parents um, in, or her family in Chicago. And uh, while we were there, a few of us guys, we decided we were going to go paintballing. Any of you guys go paintballing before? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, and I had been paintballing before. Um, back in the day when I was like a seventh grader, paintball was really cool for like a year. You guys remember those times back in the early 2000s? It was like a big deal. All my friends, you know, we all go out. We bought like the best guns and, you know, masks and all that stuff. And we'd go to each other's like houses and, you know, play in there, play, just play like four on four in the woods and stuff like that. Um, but this time, so I was excited to go. This time we go, we go to this place on the outskirts of Chicago. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And um, this place was something that I had never experienced before. There were hundreds of people there everywhere. And this place has all these different arenas, and they're, and they're sweet. And so um, we go, we get our guns, we get our masks and all the stuff, and uh, we get to pick whatever arena we want to go to. And you go to the arena, and there's like, they got like officials and referees and stuff like that. And the, we, we picked this arena that looked the coolest, like almost everybody did. And, um, and this, this arena was like a cityscape, so it was like, uh, like concrete buildings everywhere. It's like, a, it's like a city got bombed out and there's like cars and, and towers and just all this stuff, concrete laying all over the place. And so we go, they start this game and the referee first splits us up and this is like 50 on 50, okay? A lot different than playing in mom's backyard. You know what I'm saying? All right, so this is like 50 on 50 and it's like a three maybe acre arena of all just bombed out buildings and stuff. And so we go and the referees take us to each uh, we each, each team starts on opposite corners from each other. It's just a big square. And, uh, and we get there, and we're with all, you know, just picture it, 50 guys who don't know each other and um, all have opinions about what we should do. And, you know, it's just like, it's just kind of a mess. It's chaotic. You got like the three guys, you always got like three guys who stand up and like, okay, this is what we're doing, you know, I need you guys, I need, I need 10 guys to go down this street, then, you know, the bulk of us, all, you know, 20 of us, we're going to go down here, and then I need about eight guys, you take the flank over on this, you know what I'm talking about, like those guys, and uh, it's always like some 20-year-old kid who thinks he knows something because he doesn't have a job and he plays Call of Duty in his mom's basement all day, that guy, you know that guy, okay, um, so it's like that guy, so like there's eight people listening to them, and the rest of us are like, okay, now listen to that dude. You know, we're just like goofing off and like threatening each other, you know, stuff like that. And, um, and a, a few minutes go by, and the siren goes off, which means the game begins. And none of us move, all right, because we know the other team's just standing on the, you know, other side of the arena, which, so they're far away. Not only that, but they're all just doing the same thing we're doing, standing around going, what do we do? You know, I don't know, that type of thing. And, um, and so we're just like sitting there, we're still goofing off and stuff. It wasn't a minute went by, and there were paintballs flying from all angles towards us, all around us. And uh, if you could picture it, we were like stuck, because there's like 50 of us stuck in a corner we can't get out. We can't go, you know, both ways. The only way to go forward. And once the paintballs start flying, we have, like, no cover or anything. There's, like, a car, like, I don't know, it's, like, 20 yards ahead. And so I, like, sprint up to this car because it's the only thing that I could hide behind. And about half the team, like, follows. And so we got this, like, little car on the street with, like, 25 guys, like, trying to hide behind it. And I remember, this is one of the funniest, like, memories I have in my entire life, like, scenes in my head, is where I look back and I see the other half of our team just getting pummeled. I mean, they're getting blasted. There's paint flying everywhere. Guys are screaming and yelling and, and getting hit from all angles. I mean, it was just, it was funny. 
And I'm standing there, or I'm, I'm, I'm like kneeling down behind this car, trying not to get hit. But after all those guys get out, now they're coming for us. The 25 guys who are all crammed in, hiding behind this car, trying not to get hit by paintballs, which was one of, you know, which I was, I was, I was in that group. And, uh, and they get all the, you know, all the guys on the edges. We just start slowly get whittled away. And I remember sitting there in that moment. I was like one of maybe three of us left. And you're like, there's no hope, you know? Like there's just nothing I could do. If I go left, I get shot. Like, like the other eight guys that tried to go left, if I go right, I get shot like those other five guys. If I stick my head up and I try to shoot, I'm going to get shot just like all, the, you know, all those guys. And I'm just like, and I'm standing in there or sitting there, and I'm just like, there's nothing that I can do. We feel like we can do nothing, right? And I think for most of us, and I did get hit by like, you know, 50 different paintballs, all at different angles, because they don't stop when you say hit, and you know, it's just, it's, that's how it ended, you know, and I, and I knew, I was like, this is what's going to happen, this, you know, this situation ends when I get smoked by a bunch of paintballs, but see, for most of us, this is the exact situation happening with the battle for our minds, it's the exact thing, we're not prepared, all right, there's no strategy, some of us, some of us, man, we don't even realize that there's a battle going on. All right, we don't really realize that the battle has already started, and the honest truth is we're just getting slaughtered out there, and we feel like there's nothing that we can do. I mean, if you're a Christian, you understand this. You, you felt this before, right? Okay, have you ever tried to do something simple, like read a chapter in your Bible? You know what I mean? Or I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to pray for five minutes, and I'm going to do this, and I have stuff to pray about, I, I, I gotta, and what happens, right? Our, thought, our, our minds are just filled with a bunch of thoughts. Um, competing thoughts that just flood our mind. You know what I'm talking about? That ever happened to you? Yeah. All right, yeah. Like, we all know how this is. We, we have all felt this before. See, the Bible tells us that we are at war. All right? And this is a real, real thing. Reality is that we have an enemy. And Jesus even says that that enemy is coming to steal, kill, and destroy you. All right? That's the enemy's goal. And they're coming after you. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to be talking about this. Um, we're, going to, we're going to talk about the battle in our minds. And we're going to dive into the way that we think. And we're going to talk about anger. We're going to talk about things like depression, anxiety, fear, just all this stuff that we, that we all deal with to varying degrees. And my goal is that we would detach from emotion, okay, because emotions are always lying to us, and that we would just take a look at the situation survey the battlefield, we're going to talk strategy, and then we got to realize that we need to choose to fight. That's what God tells us to do. Now, in order to help us win the battle, um, I think it's very easy, I'm going to, uh, or very helpful, actually, we're going to talk about this over the next few weeks. I think every week this will probably play into it, but um, we're going to, we need to understand how our minds work. And uh, physically, do you realize that our brains are constantly changing? Okay, our brains are constantly uh, developing. doesn't matter what age we are. Um, the average brain has around 86 billion neurons, okay, 86 billion. Um, neurons are, the, are the, the brain cells that, or let me take that back. Neurons are just brain cells, okay? So if you're wondering what that is, um, it's a brain cell that specifically sends and receives information, okay? So we have 86 billion um, of these neurons in our body. Now, some of us, maybe a little less, you know, I'm just saying, Okay, if we're honest with ourselves. But, um, but each neuron directly is, is directly connected to around 10,000 other neurons. Okay, can you picture this? 
right? Each of these brain cells are directly connected to around 10,000 other of these brain cells, which means there's around 860 trillion connections in our brain as they're wired together. And these connections, all right, are called neural pathways, okay? That's what, that's what psychologists call it. This, this is what science calls it. Um, and these neural pathways, these are the things that determines which chemicals are released in our brains, which then determines how we feel, right? So the cool thing about our brain is that our brain has the ability to reorganize itself, or, or think of it this way. Our brain has the ability to rewire itself. Uh, this is called neuroplasticity, Okay, so that's where all these connections can actually change and form, and new, they can form new connections, old connections can go away over time um, as the brain changes by forming new pathways and deleting old pathways, which means over time, all right, our brain can change the way it thinks. Now, we've, we all understand this. I mean, every single one of us, our brains have changed on different things of how we think. Like, uh, you know, we don't think like how we did when we were 12 anymore, Okay. I don't hope not, you know, okay? Amen to that. And so our brain changes. We have the same information. We can bring in the same things. We can recognize the same stuff, but we think differently as we grow up. Now, one of the many areas of psychology that deals specifically with this is called cognitive behavior psychology. And the idea behind this is that many of our, um, let's call it mental issues, which we all, if we're honest with ourselves, um, we all have a certain variety of mental issues. Um, we all deal with different things at, at different levels. But um, many of our mental issues are actually related to the bad thought processes in our mind or in our brain, which then changes the chemistry of our brain, which then determines how we feel, which then determines how we act. And so many issues, things like eating disorders, anxiety, anger, um, negative thoughts, depression, addictions, whatever it might be for you, they are actually the direct result of bad thinking in our mind. And so think about it this way. If you choose to think negatively, then your brain creates a pathway for that thought, whatever thought that might be. And as cells communicate negative thoughts to, to each other through these chemicals, it changes the chemistry of our brain that, to, to feel that negative thought. And that's why we've all felt bad before, okay? That's, what, that's what's happening within us, all right? But if someone comes up to you and they're like, hey, man, nice shirt, and you're like, oh, Thanks. What do you do at work? You start walking a little taller. You start feeling good. Actually, the brain release, releases a chemical called dopamine that makes us feel good. And we feel good about ourselves from that one thought. All right, our cells communicate to each other through these pathways saying, wow, great, okay, feel good, feel good, feel good. You know, think about, wow, I am looking good. Oh, I'm looking, you know, check that out. That's, that's, how we, that's how we do. That's what we think. That's how, the thoughts that go through our mind. And so these pathways, they determine the chemicals in your brain, and they determine how we feel. And so whichever pathways are used, it becomes easier and easier to use those pathways. Again, meaning, think about it this way. This is just, you know, how I put it, Okay. The more often you think a thought, it becomes easier and easier to think that thought again. Does that make sense? Okay, this is how habits form. I think just the normal, you know, not psychiatrists or psychologists, the normal of us, we just call this a habit. Um, and so, again, the more often we think a thought, the easier it is to think that thought Again, whether good thought or bad thought. Think of it this way. Uh, when I was a kid, we would go to my Aunt Deb's house in South Carolina. And she, her house was like surrounded by um, like pasture land. 
And so with really tall grass, which was taller than us as kids. And so what me and my cousins would do is we'd go run around and we'd create like paths through, um, through the pasture, through the tall grass. And the more you run on the path, the more the path gets defined and the easier it is um, to run around on it. And so that's what we would do. That's how these pathways are in our brain. That's how our, these pathways in our brain work. These pathways become more and more pronounced the more that the same thought is, is thought and it's easier and easier to send that information. So that means this. If you choose to worry, it becomes easier and easier to worry. You choose to be anxious. It becomes easier and easier chemically in our brain to be anxious. Right? You choose to have negative thoughts, it becomes easier and easier to have negative thoughts. You choose to have fear, it becomes easier and easier to be afraid. If you choose to be depressed, it becomes easier and easier to be down and be depressed. That's how our brains work. And likewise, the opposite is true. Right? We choose to not worry and have trust in God. It becomes easy and easier to not worry and have trust. Right? You choose to think positively, it becomes easier and easier to think positively. If you choose not to be afraid, it becomes easier and easier not to be afraid. If you choose to have joy, it becomes easier and easier to have joy because the paths that our brain is using to communicate between brain cell to brain cell is becoming more defined in our brains and ends up becoming the default path that our brain automatically takes because it's the easier path. Does that make sense? All right. Three people are with me. Good. All right. It's interesting to me at my aunt's house in South Carolina, when we would go back the next year, those paths were gone. You know what I mean? Grass grew back up. There's no kids running around on those paths and stuff like that. And so, um, and so that's how our brain works. It's the same thing with the brain. The paths will slowly disappear. See, when we stop thinking a certain way or we stop thinking that whatever thought, you know, whatever thought it might be, positive or negative, doesn't matter. When we stop using those pathways and we choose to think differently, those pathways change and eventually go away. And so science tells us that we can actually change our thinking, which is so interesting to me because God has been telling this, us this for thousands of years. <laughs> and so science is just now uh, catching up. Um, Paul actually, one time, he writes to a group of Christians who are struggling with lives, and it all stems from thoughts in their minds. And so Paul warns them in 2 Corinthians chapter 10. He says, for although we live in the flesh, meaning we have physical bodies, Right? He says, although we have physical bodies, we do not wage war according to the flesh. He says, since the weapons of our warfare are not of flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. See, what he's saying here is he's saying, hey, we don't, he's like, you're in a war as a Christian, which isn't everybody in here, but if you've given your life to Christ, okay, this, this, he's talking to you. He's saying, you're in a war, man. You're in a battle. But our battle isn't like what we think of when we usually think of war. Okay, when we think of war, we think of like, I'm going to go out, you know, you know, you get your gun, you got your grenade, you know, that type of thing, tanks, whatever. He's like, no, 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 our, our battle's not a physical battle that, uh, that we're fighting with people. It's not battle of the flesh is what he's talking about, like a physical thing. No, no, no. Our battle is something that's, it's, it's not physical. It's something that happens within our minds, all right? But he says, but we have power through God, right? It's not from us. For the demolition of strongholds. Now, this word for strongholds is the idea of like a huge wall, all right? Um, and all these cities that Paul would write to, like, so for this example, would be this ancient city called Corinth, huge city in the Roman Empire. Um, Corinth, like all the other cities, would have in the middle of the city, would have like a huge stronghold, a huge fort, okay, like a fortified place. 
so that when the city was attacked, all right, the citizens had a place to like run to and they could, and they could fend off whatever, you know, the enemy. And so here's Paul, maybe even as Paul's writing this, Maybe he's looking up wherever he's writing this from. Maybe he's looking at a stronghold himself, and he's like, yeah, it's kind of like that. Or maybe when the people, when the Corinthian people are reading this, maybe they can see the stronghold off in the distance or whatever, and like, oh, yeah, like Corinth. Like, there's our fort over there. And so Paul's saying, hey, we got to watch out for this stuff. We have strongholds in our minds that are protecting negative thoughts and protecting lies sent by the enemy. Do you realize we got an enemy? Yeah? You have an enemy. Whether you like it or not, whether you want to or not, whether, you know, you have an enemy. Jesus says that Satan is the father of lies. It's like his natural language. I mean, think back all the way to the beginning. You got Eve. Remember Satan and Eve and their interaction in the garden? All right, you got Eve there. God gave them one rule. All right, you think. You think you'd be able to do one rule, you know, like, okay, I'm just not going to do that one thing, and I'll live perfect life. This will be awesome, all right? But what's Satan do? He goes and he attacks that one thing. He gra- he, he's with Eve. He asks Eve. He says, remember what he says? He says, did God really say? Are you sure that that's what God said? Are you sure that that's what I meant? And then, so he gets her to doubt God, and then he gets her to doubt his goodness, and he just doesn't, he just wants to keep this from you. And then he straight up lies to her. He's like, you won't die. That's not true. Don't listen to him. You're, you're not gonna, you're not gonna die. He's a liar. That's who he is. Now, I think a lot of us, we have this idea in our minds, we're like, okay, yeah, Satan's, he's tempting me again. He's coming at me, you know. No, no, no. Actually, I don't think that's true at all. Yes, we have an enemy, but it's not like, you know, like for me, I don't think Satan is like coming after Zach Pinkerton here in Tiffin, Ohio. I'll be honest, he's not omnipresent. He's not everywhere at once. I think Satan has got bigger fish to fry than me, okay? Um, I think for me personally, I think Satan sends like one of his loser demons to go, hey, you go trip Zach Pinkerton up. That's all I need to do, you know? You get what I'm saying? I don't think he's like sending his most powerful, you know, the most powerful enemy at me. I think the little one's Trip me up enough. And so here, like, you know, some of us were like, Satan's at me. I'm like, don't flatter yourself, all right? It ain't Satan. I think he's got bigger things, bigger fish to fry. But, um, but the honest truth is we have an enemy who's always coming at us, who builds a lie and builds a thought, puts that thought in our minds, and then builds a wall around it or a stronghold around it. That's what Paul is talking about. And we got to watch out. I mean, the, in, the enemy's always trying to shape our thinking, one lie at a time. Things like, hey, you don't like your marriage right now? Yeah, well, your marriage is never going to be good. You're never, in this situation, you are never going to have a good marriage. You're never going to have a good marriage with that person. It's a lie. Right? You won't succeed. Right? Hey, all you got to, just follow your heart. Do whatever makes you feel good. Right? You can't trust anybody. All right, don't trust this person. Don't trust that person. Or maybe it's about God. Maybe it's like, did God really say? Are you sure? I, God says that, sure, but, it, I don't, but your situation's different. You hear that a lot, don't you? Feel that a lot? But well, what about my, my, my okay? You know, or, or maybe you're praying to God, and it's like or Satan's saying, hey, God's, you know, or the enemy, I should say the enemy. The enemy's saying, God doesn't, he's ignoring your prayers. God doesn't care. And if you entertain a lie long enough, eventually you're going to believe it. That's how this works. 
And so Paul here, he's like, no, 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 don't do that. Don't let that thought, don't let that lie live inside of you. He's saying you go and you tear down those walls and you grab that lie, that thought. This is what he says, next verse. He says, we demolish arguments. All right, this is for the Christian. Okay, as a Christian, we should demolish arguments in every proud thing that is raised up against God. What's, what's raised up against the knowledge of God? Those are the lies. Those are the thoughts that are implanted in our minds that the enemy is constantly trying to put in our face, constantly trying to convince us to believe. He says, no, no, we demolish those things. And we take every thought captive to obey Christ. By the way, notice he doesn't say some of the thoughts, a few of the thoughts, the easy thoughts, the good thoughts, the bad thoughts. He doesn't say anything like that. What does he say? He says, take every thought. Every one. It's like we have this filter that we have to filter every single one of our thoughts through, and we, and we take it captive to obey Christ. See, Paul ain't talking defense here. Paul's not saying, hey, you got to watch out. You know, the enemy's always trying to, he's throwing these lies at us. And you got to be like, oh, bam, bam, watch out. Okay, no, miss me that time. You know, that's a, he's like, no, no, no. This isn't you build up a wall and you got these, you got these lies coming in at you. That's not what's going on. He's basically saying, he's like, hey, the lies are going to get in. Those thoughts are going to enter your mind. What you have to do is you have to go and you have to attack them. You're on offense here. You're not defense. You're not sitting around waiting for something to happen. You go in and you get it. It's this idea that you go in and remember Satan or the enemy, he has built up walls around these lies. He just doesn't throw these lies and these thoughts in our minds and it's like, okay, you know, yeah, you know, I probably shouldn't be. No, it's, it's not like that. He's not just like flooding our minds with the stuff. He builds walls around it. He protects that lie. He fights back against you resisting the lie. That's what these walls, that's what the stronghold is. And so he's saying, you got to go in, you got to attack them, you got to demolish those walls, you got to go in, and then you take captive those thoughts, you drag that dang thought out, and then you force it to obey Jesus. That's what we're supposed to do. Paul's like, be aggressive. This is an aggressive thing. You go get them. You control your mind. As a Christian, you have the ability to do that. Now, that's the opposite of how the world teaches us, right? I mean, it's the complete opposite viewpoints. It's, it's the opposite. Um, the world teaches us, hey, if you got a mental issue, whatever that might be, and again, all of us to a certain extent, yeah, we all have, um, you know, we, we all got stuff wrong with our mind because we all are sinners and we all are fallen people. But the world teaches us, hey, you got mental issues? You can't help that. Right, it's, it's a chemical imbalance, which sure, it might be true physically, um, but that's not a choice. Right, here, take this pill, just mask it up, or you need to focus on you. You take care of you before you think about anybody else, opposite of what the Bible says. Or the world just tells us, quite frankly, hey, it's not your fault, which if you think about it, is so sad, right? Like, think about it. If it's not your fault, then we have no hope, logically. Like, if, it's, if we can't control how we feel, then it's done. It is what it is, 
right? There's nothing that we can do about it, all right, other than take a pill and mask it. Like, like that's it. But God says, no, 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 that's not accurate. That's a lie that the enemy puts in our head. God's saying, no, 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 you can control how you feel. You can control your mind. You got to go in and those thoughts that have been feeding on you, those negative thoughts or whatever it might be, you got to go in and you got to take that thought captive. You got to take control. And there is hope. You got this. You can fight. This is a sin issue that every single one of us deal with. It's good news. We can beat this. We have hope. And he's there to help us. So we see a few years later, Paul, he actually writes another letter to a church in another city called Rome. We've all heard of Rome before. And um, if you read the letter of Romans, I mean, there's some deep, deep stuff, okay? A lot of you guys, you know exactly what I'm talking about because you've read it probably many times. Um, but in Romans, at least the beginning part of the Romans, uh, of this letter, you know, Paul, he kind of gets you pumped up. Actually, when you get to chapter six, you are pumped up. You're like, man, this is awesome, okay? Because Paul's describing, he says, hey, when you become a Christian, like the old you is dead, is gone, it's been put to death, it died on that cross. When Jesus died on that cross, now you have a new life. You have a, you have a, you know, you have a do-over in that sense, and you're united with him, and you're no longer a slave to sin. You're free. He has set you free, and now you're alive in Jesus. This is just all this stuff, and you're so pumped, and then you get to the last verse in Romans chapter 6, and we've all, you know, this is a well-known verse, and he says, and the wages of sin is death, and you're like, oh, bad news, because we're all sinners, and we all deserve death, and this ain't talking like, you know, you're old and you croak someday, <laughs> death. All right? This is not talking about that type of death. This is talking about like spiritual death, the big death. This is us spending eternity away from God in a place called hell, all right, that type of death. He says, when we sin just once, that means we deserve death. That's the price, which is very bad news. But then he's like, but guess what? The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. He's like, but God gives us this gift that we do not earn, that we don't deserve, that we did not say, hey, God, look at me, look at all this good stuff. And God's like, wow, I owe you this gift. That's not what happened. For some reason, he just freely gives us this gift of eternal life. We just have to give our lives to him, and we get to spend eternity with him instead of, which is the best thing ever, instead of going to hell, which is the worst thing ever. It's a huge 180. I mean, it's, a, it's completely flipped on itself, and we don't get what we truly deserve. And so we read this, and you should be reading it in Romans chapter 6. At the end, you're like, dude, this is awesome. Yeah, I'm, I'm a new person. You know, I'm, this is my new life. The old me is dead. You get this? And it's like, you know, at the end, you're like, man, I'm never sinning again. I'm pumped. I'm freed. No longer a slave. I'm done. And this is almost like Paul's like, and do you believe that? And you're like, yeah. And Paul's like, are you sure? You're like, yeah. And then you get to chapter 7, and Paul's like, Anybody still struggling with sin? And you're like, yeah. <laughs> and Paul's like, me too. And chapter 7 starts off by reminding us, hey, don't forget that it's not about keeping a bunch of rules and a law and just all this stuff, which churches all over the place teach. Hey, you got to do this, you got to do that, you got to do this, you got to follow all this religious stuff. All right, he's like, no, it's not about that. All right, it's only about having a relationship with your creator and inviting, it's like surrendering yourself over to him. It's a decision that you got to make in your, at some point in your life. And he's saying, when you make that decision, guess what happens? Our thinking changes. 
It changes. The reasons why we do good changes. We don't do good just because it's like, well, you know, I want to better myself. He's like, no, that, we don't, it's not about us anymore. We do good because God of the universe came down and sacrificed himself and took on our punishment that we rightfully deserve. And so I want to do good to honor him. That's why I want to do good things. And so Paul, he reminds us of that. He's like, but we still struggle. Paul says, I still struggle. In fact, one of the, one of the verses that he says this in, which I feel like as a Christian, we could totally just feel this. He says, man, here's my problem. He says, I do not do the good that I want to do, but I practice the evil that I don't want to do. You ever feel that way sometimes? We're just like, man, what the heck is wrong with me? I said I would never do this again. Here I am. I'm back at it. Why do I struggle? <laughs> See, some of us, we're just really good at doing the wrong thing. You know what I'm talking about? All right, like, like there's a difference like between Kate and I. Kate, she's really good at following the rules. Like she, she's a rule follower. She, she's good at being good, okay? I'm good at being bad. Like, it's just how it is. Like, if I see a rule, I automatically, for some reason, it's just, it's how I'm wired. It's, it's, it's the brain's fault, you know? I, I like, want to do the opposite of that. So, like, you see a sign that says, do not touch? I'm like, touch, you know? I see a, a sign that says, don't cross this line. You're like, okay, all right. Um, you see, like, especially with, like, the whole mask thing came out. You know, I'd be wearing my mask, and then I see a sign that says, please wear your mask. I'm, like, taking that thing off, you know, just to do it. Um, you ever cross, you know, I know some of you guys, you got the road closed sign. What do you do? Go around it because you can't see. You're, like, there's no construction anything. I don't see. Why is this road closed? So you go see how far you can get. I did that. You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, yeah. We, a lot of us guys do that. Um, I, one time... Did that. There's a road closed sign. They had like cones out and everything. The whole road was blocked off. But I could see the road that I was trying to get to, and there's nothing in between me and that road except for this road closed sign on all the cones. And so I just like blew through it. I tried to straddle the cones, you know, to be polite about it. But um, they caught underneath my truck and we're all flying all over the road. And, um, and I didn't realize there was a cop right there. I didn't see him. It was unfortunate. He pulled me over in the closed road. And I remember he just walked up to me, and he was just like, what are you doing? And I'm like, sorry. You know, I, I had no, he didn't even give me a ticket. He was just like, basically, you're an idiot. And I don't even know what to do with such stupidity. And uh, so that was, yeah, you're just like, I had to do it. I, it's just it's how my brain is. It's not my fault, right? This world tells me it's not my fault. See, we're prone to do the wrong thing. All right, we are not born good. None of us are. I mean, you ever meet a toddler? You ever meet one of those things? All right, they look cute for a while until they start crying, you know, or they get tired. But they're evil, selfish, you know, little terrible people. Okay, it's just how we are. And we all were one of those once. Like, like we're not born good. And I think for a lot of us, we don't, first of all, I think for a lot of us, we don't understand how bad we are. But for a lot of us, when we become a Christian, we, so many people think like life is just going to be so much easier. This anxiety that I'm dealing with, this, this addiction, this depression, it's just going to go away. And finally, the struggle will be over. And I'll be done. And it's going to feel so good. This weight lifted off of my shoulders. But reality, it's not reality. See, we're not freed from the struggle. We're freed to struggle. All right, I want you to listen to that. We're not freed from the struggle when we give our life to Christ. We're finally freed to struggle. 
Because before Christ, we didn't have the ability to fight back. Yeah, we struggle with ourselves, but we're doing it with the wrong motives. It's really just sin versus sin in our minds. But after that, now Jesus, he gives us the ability to fight back that now with his help, we have hope to win. And so we're not freed from the struggle. We are finally freed to struggle. It's just some of us, we just need to learn to struggle well. And that's what we're going to be talking about for the next few weeks. For the rest of the series, we are going to learn how to win the battle for our minds in our minds. And so, again, my idea is like, is like the, the, the battle is going on around us. And what we need to do is we just need to take a moment, take a step back, detach from our emotions and our, and our feelings, which lie to us so often, okay? And when you take a look at the situation, survey the battlefield. Identify the enemy, identify the thoughts that should not be there, the lies that the enemy has planted within our mind. Talk strategy and then fight. Going in, tearing down those walls that the enemy has built up around those thoughts, grabbing that thought by the neck, dragging it out, forcing it to obey Jesus. That's what God tells us to do. It's aggressive. It's important. It's something we got to do. See, what you think about matters a lot more than what you think. And our battles are won and lost right here in our mind. How we live our life, which is like a battle, is won and lost, not on the outside, not on what we do, not on how we act. It's won and lost inside here. And so as we think through this week, as we prepare for some of these things we're going to be talking about, depression, anxiety, uh, you know, stuff like that, addictions, and as we think through that, you know, we need to first just lay the groundwork and say, okay, there is a battle going on. We realize that now. God talks about that now, and he tells us what we need to do. The question is just how we do it now. We go in, we grab it, we force it to obey. We control our thoughts. We control our minds with God's help. Let's pray. God, we thank you for helping us when it comes to our thoughts. I mean, we're, we're sinful by nature. It's just, it's just who we are. And, and these thoughts in our minds, and, and, and we, after a while, we start thinking about it. And even, you know, we start, we start believing it. And it changes how we think, and it changes what we do. It changes our behavior. It changes how we act at work. There's all these areas that trickles down. This is like a snowball effect. And God, you have given us the ability as Christians to take back our minds. God, we ask that you would motivate us, and we ask that you would help us do that over this next month. Lord, that we as a church would walk through this together, and we'd win. Knowing that it's not ourselves doing it. Knowing that it's only with your help. And God, we thank you so much for this. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.